You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, and thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. Thank you to Zoller for their support of this episode. Zoller makes my favorite prenatal vitamin. They use the active form of folate, really bioavailable iron, plus omega-3s like DHA. To check it out, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash vitamin. And on that page, you can get a promo code to save 25%. Last week, we talked about some breastfeeding troubleshooting and troubleshooting some issues and symptoms that might show up in your baby. Breast milk is often referred to as liquid gold, and it is. It is so valuable and amazing that it cannot be reproduced in a lab, and only you can make it. Hooking your boobs up to a machine to pump milk is pretty strange, but the fact that you can give your baby your own breast milk from a bottle is amazing. This can really make a major difference for moms who need to be away from their baby during a short time, and especially if you will be returning back to work after the birth of your little one. This is a subject that I have a lot of personal experience with. I pumped for over a year after my son was born, and I've been pumping regularly in addition to breastfeeding my daughter currently. Yes, it is a lot of work, but it is so worth it. Breastfeeding is majorly important. It's arguably the best thing that you can do for your baby. There's no formula that comes close to mimicking breast milk. Your milk contains every vitamin, mineral, and nutritional element that your baby needs. It also contains living cells to inhibit the growth of bacteria and viruses and has immunological properties to build your baby's immune system. Babies who are breastfed are at lower risk for ear infections, intestinal upsets, respiratory problems, allergies, dental problems, and their immune system will be much stronger. Breastfeeding produces prolactin and oxytocin, which are hormones that foster a connection to your baby and help you recover from birth better. We all know the million reasons why breastfeeding is important and the pros of the breast is best argument. A close second to breastfeeding is pumping. You may not get the perks of holding your cutie pie while they eat. Maybe someone else will be doing that. But your baby can still get all the amazing benefits of your breast milk if you pump. The World Health Organization and many pediatric associations around the world recommend exclusive breastfeeding with no other drinks or solid foods for the first six months and adding in solid foods gradually after that point with continued breastfeeding for two years. I know two years sounds like a really long time. Any amount of time that your baby is getting breast milk will benefit them greatly. If you do stop breastfeeding before the first year, you would need to supplement with formula. An alternative to this is pumping. Your milk, even if it is in a bottle, is still way more amazing than formula for your little one. The main reason that you would pump breast milk is so your baby can still drink your milk while you are away, whether that's so you can get out for a few hours and run errands, so you can enjoy a night out with your girlfriends, or because you're returning to work. Some moms opt to exclusively pump for whatever reason. They just don't wish to breastfeed, but by pumping, their baby is still getting all of the benefits of drinking breast milk. Another reason you might pump is to build up a supply of frozen milk for future use. It is possible to build up a pretty big stash and still be able to feed your little one breast milk once you stop breastfeeding if you have a good supply in your freezer. 
If you are breastfeeding and not incorporating formula, it can feel like you are tethered to your baby at all times if no one else is able to feed them. And pumping is a great way to make this work. One final reason to pump milk is to donate it. This could be for a friend's baby or to a milk bank to benefit a newborn baby you have never met. Donating milk is pretty awesome and an incredible way to really give a baby who isn't getting enough milk from their mom for whatever reason all of the awesome benefits of breast milk. There are definitely some questionable websites where women are selling their breast milk and all the buyers are not necessarily parents of newborns. I'm not going to go there. When I'm talking about donating milk, I'm talking about donating it to a baby. If you are building up a stash of milk for your little one, keep an eye on the dates. And if you have milk that's going to be expiring before you are able to use it, please donate it. Don't let it go to waste. It could make a major difference for another baby. There are also some moms who have an excellent supply and produce more milk than their baby needs, and so they donate the excess to another mom. Kudos to anyone who donates milk. What a selfless and awesome thing to do. If you are considering donating milk, or perhaps your baby could be the recipient of donated milk, you definitely want to know the source. Milk banks have a pretty high quality control standard for collection, testing, and storage, probably higher standards than websites can uphold that are just connecting milk donors with recipients. If you are considering this route to give or receive milk, Talk to your care provider or a lactation consultant in your area and find out what options are available to you. If you are planning to pump, it is really important to understand the pumping-breastfeeding relationship. The most efficient way to remove milk from your breasts is to breastfeed. Hands down, an electric pump, even a hospital-grade pump, is not going to do as great of a job as your baby. However, they can still do a fairly good job, and in the absence of your baby, a pump will work. When you remove milk from your breast, you are essentially telling your body, this is a meal, keep producing this quantity of milk at this time. So if your baby is getting pumped milk in a bottle at noon on Tuesday, you really should be pumping at noon on Tuesday. It doesn't have to be exact, but it should be relatively close to really maximize your supply and keep your milk production up. If your baby gets a bottle and you do not pump, you are telling your body you don't need to produce as much milk right now because my baby doesn't need to eat a meal right now, but they're getting a bottle, so they really are needing a meal at that time. While it can be nice to have someone else be able to give your little boy or girl a bottle, it might not make sense for you to pump just to give your little one a bottle when you could just breastfeed them. Some mothers do choose to exclusively pump, so their little ones are always getting a bottle, and this is an option. Ultimately, whatever is best for you and your baby is best. To pump milk, you have three options. You can hand express, use a manual pump, or use an electric pump. Hand expressing is pretty simple, and you can do a quick search on YouTube to see how it's done. I do recommend watching a few videos, and this is something that will get better with practice. With hand expressing, you just express milk straight into a bottle or cup or even a bowl, and you don't need a pump or any additional accessories. The basic idea is that you hold your breast with your fingers and thumb in a C shape, like the letter C, and you're going to hold your hand near your areola, but not quite on it. And then you're going to press your fingers and your thumb 
back towards your chest. Then you're going to compress your fingers and thumb, moving them toward your nipple, and then you're going to release. So when you're compressing and releasing, you never actually take your hand off your breast, just going to keep it there in the same spot. So you're going to continue to do this compressing and releasing, and you're going to move around your breast. And what you're really doing is working all of your milk ducts. Like I said, it's so much easier to actually see this than to just listen to someone explain it. So check out YouTube and just watch a video of someone doing it and you will much easier understand what I'm talking about. The next option is using a manual pump. Using a manual pump is pretty simple. So it's just a bottle usually that's connected to a flange or a shield, which is the cone-shaped part that goes on your breast. And there's a lever on it. So you just hold it up to your breast and then generally squeeze it and it should work to remove milk from your breast. And then, of course, you're just pumping one breast at a time with a manual pump. Electric pumps tend to be the most effective for removing milk. One option for this is a hospital grade pump. If you had your baby in a hospital, you may have access to this during your stay at the hospital after your baby, or you have the option to rent one once you get home. Most moms that use a hospital-grade pump rent it because they are pretty expensive to buy. Hospital-grade pumps are closed systems, so you don't need to worry about somebody else's milk or germs, and you would buy all your own accessories for it, and that's what you would just sterilize, and those are the only parts that your actual milk would be touching. Hospital-grade pumps are much better at removing milk than pumps for home use, so if you are planning to exclusively pump, this might be worth looking into. The other option for an electric pump is to buy one for home use. Home use electric pumps are the most widely used and pretty much the focus of the episode today, but everything we're talking about could also be applied to a hospital-grade pump, a manual pump, or even hand-expressing milk. You're just going to have to use whichever method is best for you. Breast pumps are not cheap, but at the time of this episode, breast pumps are covered by your health insurance. For my most recent baby, I went through Aeroflow, who coordinated with my insurance company, and I'll link to them in the show notes. If Aeroflow does not work with your insurance, then you can go through your insurance directly. And when I did this, when I was pregnant with my first baby, I found it easier to just get on the phone with my insurance company. Even if you aren't sure if you will want a breast pump, order one, especially if it doesn't cost you anything. The lifetime of a home use breast pump is about a year, so you really want to buy this new. They do tend to lose some power over time, which can really make pumping less efficient. Like I said, your insurance should cover it, so why not get one? If you're in a position where you do not have health insurance and are having trouble affording a pump, you may still be able to get some assistance to buy one. Talk to your care provider and ask about any low-income programs that may be available. With an electric pump, you have the actual pump, which is usually a small box with a motor in it, and this unit tends to be a little bit heavy. This is plugged into an electrical outlet. They also make battery packs for these, and you can even get a car charger so you can pump in your car. Although different brands of pumps are going to differ a little bit, they all operate relatively the same. 
Before you ever use your pump for the first time, you want to sterilize all of the parts by boiling them. To do this, you're just going to boil a large pot of water. And once the water is boiling, just add all of the parts to the pot and boil for 10 minutes. And you're also going to want to do this with any bottles and nipples before using them for the first time. Once you have sterilized everything, it's pretty easy to hook it all up and get it going. Before you start a pumping session, you're going to want to just wash your hands. And the best time to pump is when you are relaxed and your breasts feel full. Generally, you connect two small thin tubes to the pump. And then the other ends connect to a plastic piece, which is connected to a bottle or another collection container like a bag. And then that's also connected to the flanges or shields, which are cone-shaped pieces that you are actually putting on your breasts. Once everything is hooked up, you turn your pump on. It's going to start out quickly. And then once there is actually milk coming out, which is called your milk letting down, you're going to hit a button and the suction motion should slow down a little bit. Many pumps will automatically switch over to a slower mode after a certain period of time, like five minutes or so. This is really similar to how your baby acts during breastfeeding. They start out with quick sucking motions and then slow down to a slow and steady sucking once your milk lets down. There should be a knob to control the speed and intensity of the suction. This should not hurt, and if you are uncomfortable, definitely turn it down. If it's too strong, you could hurt your nipple, so you definitely don't want to overdo it. You can experiment with some different settings to find out what level of intensity works best for you. When the pump is running, you should see your nipple moving in and out of the tunnel pretty easily. After you pump, your nipple is going to be bigger, but it shouldn't be significantly darker or swollen. If it is, it could be a sign that you need a larger shield than the standard size that probably came with your pump. You could also try putting some oil like olive oil on the flange and see if that helps to get some lubrication. And you certainly wouldn't want to use any type of like corn or nut oil. Um, Olive oil is probably the safest for that. Once the pump is going and your milk is being pumped, you're going to let it run for probably around 10-ish minutes or until you aren't producing much milk and your breasts are soft. You might get several milk releases where it seems like the flow of milk stops and then starts back up again. And you can also try using hand compressions while you pump or even just pumping one breast while your baby is nursing on the other. Once you are done pumping, you may want a hand express just to get any last milk out and then you can disconnect the bottles or collection bags from the pump and then you're going to want to leave the pump running for a few minutes just to get any extra condensation out of the tubes and the pump and you can just leave it running while you are disassembling everything and putting stuff away so you're going to package up the milk for storage we'll talk about that in just a minute and then disassemble all of your pump parts and clean them the best method to clean the parts is just to wash them in warm water with a gentle dish soap and let them air dry. With a full-term baby, meaning they were not born prematurely, there's no need to sterilize pump parts in between pumping sessions. Just washing them in warm soapy water should be fine, and you can sterilize them at the end of the day if you wish. If you aren't sure, you can always ask your care provider or pediatrician what their recommendation is as far as how often you should be sterilizing everything. 
There are some additional things that can make sterilizing and cleaning parts pretty easy. One way is just to put everything in a dishwasher. There are some small baskets that are made for small parts that make putting this stuff in a dishwasher super easy. And the high temperature of the dishwasher should sterilize everything. You can also check your dishwasher may have a sterilized setting on it that you can activate when you run it. There are also microwavable bags that you can just put everything into and pop the bag in the microwave to sterilize the parts. So you have some options and the easier that you make pumping on yourself, the better. If you are a planner and you want to make sure that you know how all of this works before your baby arrives, you can take care of sterilizing all the parts and assembling everything so that it isn't brand new to you when you first use it. Be aware that nipple stimulation does cause your body to release oxytocin, which could trigger labor. Some women do use an electric pump for nipple stimulation to try and naturally jumpstart labor. If you are past your due date and want to try this, you certainly can. But in general, I don't recommend actually trying to pump before you have your baby. If you're thinking about using a breast pump for nipple stimulation to jumpstart labor, it's also a good idea just to run it by your care provider and make sure that they're on board with that. So chances are you're probably not going to end up actually using a pump until after your baby is born. For the first few days after your little one arrives, your body's just producing colostrum. And that's in very small amounts, and it's easiest to hand express colostrum rather than use a pump. Your milk isn't actually going to come in until day two, three, or even four. The first days and weeks of taking care of a newborn and figuring out breastfeeding are a major adjustment period. To start off, you can just try pumping a couple of times just after breastfeeding to try and remove any extra milk that your baby did not. And this is going to increase your supply and give you some practice pumping. Your immediate focus once your baby arrives is not to start building a huge freezer stash from day one. Give yourself some time to get the hang of breastfeeding because knowing the in and outs of breastfeeding is really going to set you up to be a pro with pumping and make the two work together. By the end of the first week after your baby is born, you're probably going to be producing between 19 to 30 ounces or about 550 to 875 milliliters of milk every day. And the average feeding is probably going to be around 2 to 5 ounces or about 60 to 150 milliliters. This is going to stay pretty consistent for the first six months. Keep in mind that these are estimated measurements and they are for breast milk. Formula is harder to digest and the nutrients are not as easily absorbed, so quantities of formula may be higher. You can check with your pediatrician for exact guidelines, but we are talking specifically about breast milk in this episode. Just before we talk about storing breast milk and the guidelines for that, I want to thank the sponsor for today's episode. Thank you to Zoller, who makes a really high quality prenatal vitamin. And I know this is called a prenatal vitamin, but this is something that you should be continuing to take after you have your baby when you're breastfeeding. I love the vitamin from Zoller because they use really high quality ingredients like the active form of folate, really bioavailable iron, and it has omega-3s like DHA, which for me meant that I could stop taking a separate DHA supplement. To check out the vitamin 
and to get a promo code to save 25% when you buy a one-month supply on Amazon, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash vitamin. The guidelines for storing breast milk for a healthy term baby are about four to six hours at room temperature, 24 hours in a cooler with frozen ice packs, three to eight days in the fridge, and six to 12 months in the freezer. Once you take milk out of the freezer and thaw it out, it should be used within 24 hours, and you would not want to refreeze it once it's been thawed. To thaw it out, you would just put it in the fridge the night before you plan to use it. You can place it under warm running water or place it in a bowl of warm water. You would never want to microwave breast milk. It can create hot spots that could burn your baby's mouth, and it also breaks down some of the nutrients and changes the composition of the milk. If your baby was born prematurely, these guidelines may differ slightly, so definitely check with your care provider or your pediatrician for their recommended storage guidelines for your specific situation. The fresher the milk is, the better. Over time, and with cooler temperatures, the properties in your milk will become less effective. Keep in mind, though, that breast milk, even if it's been frozen for months, still has a ton of ingredients that cannot be synthetically recreated in a lab with formula. You do want to be organized with labeling and storing milk. You can mix milk from different pumping sessions together as long as you're mixing it at about the same temperature. You wouldn't want to add warm milk that you just pumped to cold milk that had been sitting in the fridge. If you're planning on using the milk soon, you can just store it in the fridge. If you're putting it in bottles, you can use a piece of masking tape with the date on it. If you're taking milk to daycare, you may also want to include your baby's name on it. And if you're going to freeze milk, I really recommend using freezer bags that are made especially for milk storage. I have some that I highly recommend from Lansano. I'll put a link to these in the show notes. I've used hundreds of these bags and they work great. They have markings on the side so that you can see how much milk the bag contains. And there's a spot to write in the date and the amount and even your baby's name on it. And then when you do freeze these bags, I recommend laying them flat to freeze them. Once they're frozen, you can kind of stack them or store them however you want in your freezer. But if you lay them flat, then they'll take up much less room in your freezer. If you do put milk in bottles to freeze it, don't fill them up all the way to the top. Milk expands as it freezes, so be sure to leave some room. And the best place in your freezer to store milk is in the middle, away from the sides and the door where the temperature is less stable. Once milk is frozen, you're going to want to use the oldest milk first to make sure that it's not going to go past the time it should keep well in the freezer. You can also freeze milk in different portion sizes, generally between two to five ounces, so 60 to 150 milliliter portions. Smaller amounts are going to thaw more quickly and you're going to waste less milk this way. So if you froze only five ounce or 150 milliliter portions, and every day your baby only ate four ounces, you'd be wasting about an ounce or 30 milliliters each feeding. So with smaller portions, you're going to waste less. So when you breastfeed, you don't see your milk. It's just going directly to your baby. When you pump, 
you see it and don't freak out if it varies a bit in color and even if it smells a bit different from one day to the next. These changes are usually due to your diet and there's no need to worry about it. You should also know that when milk sits and it's cooled, it separates into layers. Cream is going to rise to the top. Breast milk is really high in fat, which is perfect for a growing baby. And this separation into different layers is no big deal and totally normal. When you do heat milk up to give it to your baby, you will want to gently swirl the warmed bottle to mix the milk layers. Don't shake it. Shaking it breaks up the long chain fatty acids, which are a really good thing for your baby. So swirl, don't shake. There's also one other thing that could make your milk smell and taste a little bit off, and that is lipase. Lipase is an enzyme that's naturally produced in breast milk, and high amounts of it can give your milk an off smell and taste. This is only going to be noticeable when you freeze your milk and then thaw it out. Some babies don't mind this at all, while others will be fussy about drinking it and may even refuse it altogether. If your milk does have high levels of lipase and your baby does not want to drink it, there is a solution. You can heat up and scald your milk before you freeze it. To do this, you're just going to put the milk in a small pot and heat it on the stove until tiny bubbles form around the edges. This will be about to 180 degrees Fahrenheit or about 82 degrees Celsius. But you just want to see those little bubbles around the edges. You don't want to bring it to a boil. Then you just remove it from the heat, cool it, and freeze it. Scalding milk does reduce some of the beneficial components, so of course you want to give your baby fresh milk whenever possible. And the issue with lipase only happens after milk has been frozen, so the only way to tell if this could possibly be an issue is to test it. You can pump a few ounces, put it in your freezer for a few days, pull it out, let it thaw, and smell it. If it has a slightly sour smell, you could have high levels of lipase. See if your baby's bothered by it. Some little ones won't mind at all. If your milk does have high levels of lipase and your little one doesn't want to drink it, you might need to scald your milk before freezing it. Yes, it's an extra step, but it does solve the problem. If your little one ended up in the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, you might need to pump and store milk for an extended period of time. Providing breast milk to newborns in the NICU is even more critical to their health than to a full-term baby. In a normal home freezer, lipase increases with longer storage times, but many NICU freezers store breast milk at super cold temperatures of negative 70 to negative 80 degrees Celsius. At these temperatures, milk odor and taste changes due to lipase don't happen. So if you do end up with your little one in the NICU, talk to your care provider or lactation consultant about how to best provide breast milk for your little one and what your storage options may be at the hospital. And of course, as we talked about earlier, you're also going to need to check on whether or not you need to be more stringent about things like sterilization. Breastfeeding and pumping early on can seem like a non-stop task. Keep in mind, it will not always be like this. As your baby gets older, they get more efficient with breastfeeding. You get better at pumping with time. You won't always be hooked up to a baby or machine. And all this hard work that you're putting into making sure that your baby has the healthiest nutrition is helping them build a better immune system and a healthier body that's going to benefit them for the rest of their life. To recap everything that we talked about in today's episode, we got into all of the basics on pumping breast milk and all 
all of the fundamental things you need to know about pumping. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the pregnancy podcast today. I really hope that you found this episode helpful. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 139. 